Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hi, everybody. Great to see you all uh, here. I'm so glad somebody came after they saw who was speaking. And uh, hey, don't be too impressed about that since 1987 thing. I was a church planter. I'm the only one they've ever had. They don't know any better uh, than what they than what they have. It's great to be here. I'm I'm grateful for the uh, invitation. And I'm guessing. I'm just guessing that every guest. Uh, speaker in chapel says something similar to this. Uh, It's an honor to be here. You ever heard that? You ever heard that before? Do you know why they say that? It is. (laughs) It's an incredible honor to be asked to to come be with all of you faculty uh, members, staff members, all of you students. Uh, Quite a treat uh, for me. Thank you. so much. I, I graduated from uh, on a on a cold, uh, windy day uh, in 1980. I graduated with my master's from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and one of the things they gave me uh, was a photo of my graduating class. I don't know if we have anybody who spent any time in Fort Worth there, but in front of the memorial buildings there, they'd line everybody up and take a photo. There was about 300 of us in that, in that class. That, it was a big group. Uh, and so I rode back out to, my, to the Mid-Cities area, to the church where I was serving as one of the ministers on staff, uh, to, to stop by my office. And I noticed that my pastor's car was in the parking lot. And so as I went in the office, his office was right off the entrance to the, to the building there. And he, because he was a very available guy. He heard me come in. He said, who is that? I said, it's Keith. He said, come here. So I came into the office and he said, what you got? I said, I've got a photo of my graduating class. He said, let me see this. He's sitting at his desk. He looked at it for a moment. He had me, he said, come here, look over my shoulder. He said, take a good look at that. I said, yes, sir. He said, in 10 years, uh, half of these people will not be in ministry. Okay. He said, look at it again. He said, 10 more years, the remaining half, half of those will no longer be serving in ministry. And then he looked me in both eyes, handed the photo back to me, and he said, success is finishing. Success is finishing. And so as I've been, I got this wonderful invitation, and I've been thinking about you all, faculty, staff, administrators, certainly all of you students, um, uh, here, many who are, are, are called to be pastors of local churches, uh, ministers of, of, of students and children and discipleship, missionaries, cross-cultural missionaries. Uh, many of you have been called to a vocation in the marketplace, uh, serving as an ambassador for Christ there, some in the academy, some in public service, some in the military, uh, uh, Christian counselors. Uh, you're quite a varied group here. But God has a call on your life. And as I thought about you, I I couldn't help but think about what would help you finish. What would help you finish? And and so I just have to come and tell you what's helped me first and and foremost. I've been thinking about you all in Christ's call on your life to serve Him in 
and to go wherever he, he sends you. And so as I thought about these things, I remembered uh, the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah lived in tough times. He lived in a time when it seemed like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Uh, our culture feels like that some today as we're going through that. But almost all peoples have had times down through history when life felt like, gosh, when everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And so, uh, but yet Jeremiah persevered through all of that. And, and, and it was not pleasant for him, as you well know, you students of the Scriptures know, know very uh, well. He, but he was in the middle of it all. He stuck it out. He prayed. He preached. He suffered. He strived. And he finished. And he finished. And so in the first chapter of his book, uh, he recorded God's call to him to serve. Uh, and, and it's found, I'd like you to take your copy of the scriptures, it's found again in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4 down through verse 12, and then we're going to skip to verses 17 through 19. This is God's word, let me read this aloud together uh, to you. The word of the Lord came to me, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, but I protested. Oh no, Lord God, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth or a child. Then the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a youth for you will go to everyone, uh, everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. See, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant. Then the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to me asking, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Verse 17, now get ready, stand up and tell them everything I command you. Do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Today I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests and the population. They will fight against you, but will never prevail over you, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration, and this is the word of the Lord. No matter your call, your vocation, as varied as it may be, represented by all of us in this room, you can fulfill the call that Christ has on your life, if you'll remember and heed the truths in this passage. And so I just want to encourage you for a few moments uh, this morning on a beautiful early fall uh, morning and exhort you to remember this first and foremost. You were born for this. 
You were born for this. Uh, That's what God said to Jeremiah. He said, I chose you in verse 5 before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And you and me this morning, God has set you apart and appointed you as his servant, uh, his ambassador for Christ, even before you were conceived, even before he formed you in the womb, before you were born. God made you for this. You were born for this. Uh, Don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget it. Remember it every week at least. I I, I have made this uh, a prayer that's part of my pregame ritual. Uh, Early on Sunday mornings, I park down at the end of the campus uh, at our church, and I walk slowly across the campus praying. Uh, and, and Michael, I, I pray something like this uh, back in faith. Lord Jesus, you before I was born, you formed me in the womb. Uh, uh, you knew me. Uh, before I uh, was formed in the womb and before I was born, you set me apart and appointed me as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor of this church. And so do it. Pray that. Remember it and recall it and review it and pray it and shout it out loud uh, to the Lord uh, often because, because there will be times when you are intimidated. You feel inadequate. You feel inadequate. Well, Jeremiah did. He felt inadequate. In verse 6, he protested. He said, oh no, Lord God, Look, I I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Some translations say only a a child. Uh, Jeremiah thought poorly of himself. Or maybe maybe he was a little realistic. Uh, He said, I don't have much to offer. He thought himself inadequate. He thought himself too small, too ignorant, too insignificant. Well, you might think that at times. Uh, as you ponder the call of God on your life and the ministry He's given you uh, at this time. You might think you're too young. You might think you're, you're uh, uh, too inexperienced, too, too ignorant, too insignificant. You don't have enough education. That maybe I'm, I'm here, I'm trying to learn. That's a good thing. But do not let yourself think that you are inadequate for Jesus to use. You are not too young. You are not too inexperienced for the Lord Jesus. You know, He's... Have you... Jesus is really smart. He's very, he knows everything you don't know. And he'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Uh, you are bright enough. You are knowledgeable enough. You say, well, Keith, what, a, what do I do when I find myself thinking this way and having these thoughts and feelings of inadequacy? I don't know everything to tell you, but I know one thing. God says to you and me right here, Don't you dare do it. Don't you dare think this way. Don't you dare say or think these things. Do not affirm what God negates here. Because God said to Jeremiah that very same thing in the first part of verse 7. The Lord said to me, do not say this. Do not say that I am only a youth. Don't even say it. So, So I recommend that you pray often to the Lord Jesus And say this back to him, Lord, I I will not say that I'm inadequate. I will not say that I'm only a youth or only a child because you have made me to be a big, grown-up, God-called, man of God, woman of God, maybe even a prophet to the nations. 
And that's not all. You and I, we must go to everyone God sends us and say whatever he commands us. We must go to everyone God sends us and say whatever he commands us. Hey, little test here. Anybody awake? Let me see your eyeballs a second. What is the favorite two-letter word of Southeastern Seminary? Yeah, there's a hint like right here uh, on the front I noticed when we came in. Uh, it's, it's on the, uh, is it even on the doorknobs now? I think it's go. That's good. That's good because uh, that's what the Lord commanded Jeremiah. And that's what he commands you and me. In verse 7, he says, for you will go to everyone I send you and speak whatever I tell you. Yeah. As an ambassador for Christ, as a, as, a, as a man or woman called of God to a particular vocation uh, in which to serve Him, uh, maybe as a pastor of a local church, or, uh, where, or again, just an ambassador for Christ where you live, work, and play, God will sometimes send you to individuals, and when He does, you must go. I must go. Sometimes He'll send you to uh, receptive unbelievers. You must go. Those are fun. Sometimes he'll send you to resistant, maybe even hostile unbelievers. Well, you must go. Sometimes he'll send you to uh, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Well, go. Sometimes he'll send you to rebellious, backslidden, misbehaving church members. Now, they're a joy. And, but, hey, we must go. We go. And, and we must say to them... Whatever he has commanded us to say to them, sometimes it's a happy word of encouragement, like I'm getting to do this morning. Sometimes it's a, a wise word of, of guidance. Sometimes it's a truth with love, rebuke, and correction. Sometimes it's a God-given warning. Many times it's to deliver devastating news of tragedy. Well, you, you must go tell them. You must go say they died. Sometimes it's to speak words of prayer over them. You must go. Sometimes it's to individuals. Sometimes it's to small groups. Sometimes it's to large groups like this one, congregations or other groups of, of people. And when he does, we do what? We do what? We go. We go. We go, and there will be times, even in the midst of that sense of command, where we will be intimidated by people. You know, sometimes people seem really, really big, and God seems small, doesn't he? There's a great book by that name. I recommend it. Well, God knew that Jeremiah, and he knew that you and me at times as servants of Christ as well would experience what the Bible calls fear of man, be intimidated. But God says, do not be afraid of anyone. Do not be afraid of anyone, he said to Jeremiah, and he says to you and me this morning in verse 8, Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. We serve the God who is with us, don't we? Uh, how many of you in here love Christmas? Now, how about you guys that didn't raise your hand? What's the deal with you? But, uh, but anyway, some of you love it so much, you know how many days are between here and, here and there, don't you? Don't you? Yeah, and at Christmas time, we believers join believers 
all around the world, the more than 2.5 billion of us followers of Christ in, in proclaiming and, uh, and celebrating and singing the words of the prophet, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with us. He's not the God who is up there, out there of the deist who lets us, you know, like wound up the creation like an old alarm clock and walked off and left us. No, he is the God who is near. I think about his words in Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 where he, start, he says, Do not fear. Why? For I am with you. He's with us. He is with us. He says, uh, do not be afraid, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Jesus is with you and will rescue you and me when we need it. Uh, two times in this call to Jeremiah, he affirms this. Two times he says to him, you know, when God repeats something that's significant, I will be with you to rescue you. I will be with you to rescue you. And he will be with you no matter what you face. So go and speak for Jesus. And, um, and as much as, as uh, your ministry, your vocation that God has called you to, uh, involves these things, it, it could be summed up in a statement that I gave spontaneously uh, to a little boy in my church. Uh, many of you will, will know that, who are already serving in churches, that there's some kids who are very, very comfortable with their pastors. And uh, they have questions. And I've got a little, I had a little guy named Riley who used to come with theolo pretty good theological questions uh, on the sidewalk outside uh, right after the services. One day he walked up to me and he get, it's the question that many of us do who serve churches uh, receive. He said, uh, what do you do? <laughs> now he meant, I mean, will you just, you know, I leave. He said, I know, but we're at church. Like, what do you, what do you do? And I thought for a minute and there's, here's what came out of my mouth. I said, well, Riley, I talk to people for and about God and I talk to God for and about people that's pretty much what I do and um, so if that is our job if that is our calling no matter where we live work and play no matter in what platform he places us then and we're to speak what he commands us then we better be sure that we are speaking God's word to people We'd better be sure that we are speaking God's word to people. And so to assure Jeremiah uh, that he could and would be speaking what God commanded, here's what the Lord did in verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. Now, all of you here know that Jeremiah didn't have the written revealed uh, scriptures fully as we do all of the old and new new testaments uh, that he was one of the holy men of old that the bible describes uh, through whom god's spirit spoke and uh, and gave us uh, this miracle of the scriptures in our hands uh, the holy spirit would come upon jeremiah as he would the other prophets in such a way like the other prophets jeremiah could say at times thus saith the lord but now you and i we have the scriptures. We have them. 
So you be sure to let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. This is a fun time to preach to the choir. We're here at the seminary who loves the Scriptures. But let me tell you, eat this book. Eat this book. Devour this book. Uh, Wrestle with this book uh, over and over and over to try to thoroughly digest it, uh, hide God's Word in your heart, study to show yourself approved as a workman who rightly proclaims and interprets and applies the Word of God. Read it, read it, read it, read it, read it through and through and through. I I must admit, I have become intimidated by a 10-year-old boy. Uh, He's the little Sawak boy who's a member of our church who was on the video, baptism video, last week. He's 10 years old, uh, and he is magnificently, he's brilliant, but he's very much in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, he's fascinated, he wants to know him. In an, I happened to learn that at 10 years old, he's already read the Bible cover to cover 50 times. Okay. And, 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 he, and he's not even like a weird kid. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> as one of his, as one of his uh, 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 small group leaders would say, he's not even a little bit weird. He just really loves Jesus and his word. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to catch up with him but, but hear it constantly, listen to it. You're here in this magnificent opportunity to steward, to study with great Bible scholars. Study it, study it. Uh, because as uh, Dr. Timothy George once said, we must do it because the Bible is not a lazy person's book, is it? It is not. But people's lives and eternities depend upon you and me uh, having this kind of grip on God's Word, and God's Word having this kind of grip on you and me. It is, I mean, there are a lot of important things we must do, but this may be the most important action and lifestyle step you can take to have a God-honoring, fruitful gospel ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Memorize it constantly and repeatedly. I was so relieved when I heard John Piper say recently that he doesn't memorize God's Word. He has to rememorize it. He forgets all the verses that he memorizes. I thought, whew, I thought that was only me. You know, but so we rememorize God's word. We keep putting it in our hearts and working it into our souls and applying it to our life radically. This is how the Lord today primarily reaches out his hand and puts his words in our mouth. And we must do this because God has appointed you and me to the mind changing business. The Lord said to Jeremiah in verse 10, See, today I have appointed you, today over nations and kingdoms, to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant. You and I are in the repentance business. Now, we all know that to repent means to change one's mind in such a way that it results in a change of of direction. Well, with the message of the gospel of Jesus in, in His Word, He has appointed you and me, no matter the platform, 
No matter the platform, as his ambassadors, as his sent people, as his servants, he is appointing you and me to be about the business of uprooting and tearing down to destroy and, over and demolish what needs uprooting, what needs tearing down, what needs destroying, what needs demolishing. Uh, as the Apostle Paul said, the high and lofty philosophies lifted up against the knowledge of Christ in the hearts, in the minds, in the lives of men and women and boys and girls and communities and cultures and, and churches. And churches. And he's appointed you and me to be about the business of building and planting what needs building and planted into the hearts and the minds and the lives of men and women and boys and girls and communities and cultures and and congregations. And so as you spend the rest of your life communicating the gospel and God's will and His ways as revealed in Jesus and His, His Word uh, to people in one-on-one -on -one conversations with people over coffee and in counseling, um, in public settings, in Bible studies and in worship services, you and I are calling people to a life of continual repentance, ongoing changing our mind to be conformed to the mind of Christ, to, to continually bring ourselves and people into alignment with God's will and His ways as revealed in the Scriptures, to change their minds to have the mind of Christ. You and I are in the mind-changing business. And the good news is that God is at work to see that He fulfills this work through you. Be encouraged. He told Jeremiah, and he tells you and me this morning in verses 11 and 12, he said, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Now, all of you uh, Old Testament folks would, would know that in the original language here, the word for almond tree sounds like the word for watch over. Evidently, there was an almond tree like right over there when he was having this encounter. And, uh, and God did a play on words with Jeremiah to say, He is at work in and through you. And He is at work in and in through you. It does not all depend upon you. It does not. It is God working in you and through you. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, the Apostle Paul, inspired by God's Spirit, penned these words, For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to His good purpose. It is God who is at work in and through you, both to motivate and enable you to know, be, and do what He wants you to know, be, and do. You are not on your own. So my brothers and sisters... Let's get ready. Get yourself ready for the work of the ministry every single day. Every single day. God said to Jeremiah in verse 17, Now get ready. Get yourself ready. Stand up. Tell them everything I have commanded you. Do not be intimidated by them or I will cause you to cower before them. Get yourself ready. Now for every one of us in this room, God gifted us, and in His sovereignty, He provided foundations to prepare us for our calling 
in the mission upon which he sends us, Sovereign foundations that we were not of our choosing. Uh, the, the family of origin we were born into. The, the home church we grew up in. Uh, uh, many, many things to prepare you that, that you, we just receive as, as blessings. Uh, but also, many of you then have also been preparing intently to do your part. I want to commend you for being here in the seminary. Way to go! Way to go. Way to go. Uh, you've been preparing for a long time now. Some of you are working on your undergraduate degree. Some of you on your master's. Some of you on additional master's. Some of you in doctoral studies. Some of you are auditing uh, classes and, and you're studying and, and preparing. Way to go. Way to go. Uh, there, there's a, God seems to bless that. Now, when I was in Dr. Boyd Hunt's systematic theology class, uh, in Fort Worth early one morning about the second day of class he gave us a little test and you've probably heard this from some of your teachers here but just just a second I want you to think about I want, this I actually want you to do this okay everybody with me I mean everybody with me okay here we go who think of who is the most prominent personality in the Old Testament other than God don't say it out loud just pick who you who you think that is now I think about the most prominent and influential person in the New Testament other than our Lord Jesus. You ready? How many of you said Moses and Paul? Just curious. The majority of you. Well, you just named two of the most well-educated men of their day. Now we know that God uses all kinds of people. I mean, here, here we go. Look at me. He uses all kinds of people. Nothing special about me. I'm educated far beyond my intelligence. That's true. He uses all kinds of people. But he appears, the Holy Spirit appears to have an affinity for a trained mind. So sharpen yours the best that you can for the rest of your life. Get yourself ready. Don't squander this magnificent opportunity you have here. Take most, the most advantage of it because a call to, to, to serve Jesus is a call to prepare. And so never stop preparing. Never stop preparing for the big picture uh, as well as for your duties on a daily basis. While God, because while God is at work in and through you, He still expects us to uh, join Him and obey Him and do our part. Uh, I don't know who said it first, but I, I, I do agree with this. God, God will not do what, he, what we can do and He's commanded us to do. And we cannot do what only God can do. So let's do our part. Now, in, you say, and in your ministry, by the way, wherever it is, almost anything will work if you will. Almost anything will work if you will. You have already discovered that God's work is work. And if you, and you love it and you're thrilled that God called you to it and you look forward to doing it, but if you do it right at the end of the day, you are tired. You are tired. There's no place for lazy ambassadors for Christ. Too much is at stake. Get yourself ready. And God will help you. Listen to these words to Jeremiah. Now to you and me. Verses 18 and 19, God said, Today, 
I am the one who has made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the population. They will fight against you, but never prevail over you. Here he goes again, second time, since I am with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. You'll face some resistance to, the, to Jesus and yourself in this world. It's still pretty easy here in North America. Uh, you may find resistance even in your own church. But you have Christ in you and with you, rescuing you to make you as strong as all of heaven to do the work, to stand against the entire land if needed. Success is finishing. Remember your call. Pray with me. Lord, Lord, we are grateful that you call us to this. And we are grateful that you do not leave us nor forsake us. You do not leave us to our own devices, but you are with us. Now I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room. May they never forget your call upon their lives. And may it be a source of encouragement in the days and the weeks and the months and the years and the decades of serving you that lie ahead. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.com. Edu.